uh, when we say lord lead i will follow we're going to go some places that we didn't plan on going and that will be stretched beyond our comfort and find that only in our reliance on god can we have peace because it certainly won't be by our own reason or what we can figure out or manage Welcome to the Essentially Translatable Podcast, brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. I'm Rich Radowski. I'm Emily Wilson. And we are beginning the new year with another one in our sermon series. This one is a sermon that I delivered at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis last March when we were on a recruitment visit there, just before the first big series of COVID shutdowns happened, which we had no idea any of that was coming. Let's talk a little bit about the context of what was going on and and why that makes this sermon sort of memorable. Well, I'm trying to remember how that all turned out. I had just gotten back from Australia mm-hmm. mid-month in February, and they were just starting to talk. Like, in Australia, there's a lot of news reports. You're seeing, like, everything shut down right. in Asia. And I was like, huh, I wonder what this is all about. And then they were starting to, you know, say, like, okay, make sure that you – wipe down everything on the plane and I wonder if I'm going to be able to see my sister she's pregnant right now and what does that look like and it was like okay it'll just blow over (laughs) yeah in LBT we had been already for our international programs in December paying attention and had put out an uh you know advice to especially if you're traveling just be aware of this as a as a possibility. It seemed pretty far away at that point, isolated to China as far as we knew. And then, yeah, there was some evidence that things were happening in Australia and Europe, particularly Italy. Mm -hmm. And I had gone to Ethiopia early in the month of February. And so about that same mid-February timeframe was also returning to the U.S. And yes, we were hearing more about coronavirus. I remember standing in this jam-packed airport in Addis Ababa and there were people so close together and coughing of course that wasn't unusual at that point it seems weird to even picture now with with so many months of physical distance there were people coughing and stuff and I remember thinking well if I get this thing this is where I will get it from (laughs) because so yeah recycled air (laughs) right so um so we went out to St. Louis I mean we still had a normal what would be recruitment schedule to visit places and and talk about the work of LBT and uh, invite involvement in the future or even some folks to to uh, get involved as missionaries with LBT and one of the stops we always make is at Concordia Seminary so for our listeners who may not be familiar that's one of the training institutions for pastors and uh, deaconesses other church leaders in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and a number of other church bodies and workers there for pastoral training or for advanced training. And so that's the audience that was in the chapel that day. And the sermon is based on, well, two things. The text for the day was Genesis 12, 1 to 3, the story of God calling Abram, who later becomes Abraham. And I took that and also talked about it with uh, Isaiah 49, 6, which is, uh, as we'll hear in the sermon, an important verse in my life where uh, God says, it's too small a thing for you to only bring back the chosen people of Israel. I will make you a light unto the nations. And so that was the the text for the day. And yeah, I think we'll, we'll play the sermon and then come back and reflect on why that's so meaningful and, and how that really stuck with us. And as, we, as we're thinking about a new year, 
I guess this is is part of our our hope, our, our launching of the year in the podcast with this sermon is just this reminder that we're in 2021 now. And so for a lot of folks, we're thinking, whew, you know, thank God 2020 is behind us. And that is a year that people will not forget for a long time. But the reality is that as we go into a new year, we don't know what the year holds. Just like mid-March in 2020 when the sermon was delivered, we did not know what the year held. And you know, I mentioned that in the sermon, but it came out in ways that we wouldn't have expected. And so as we think about launching into 2021, those things haven't changed, that God is still in control. He is calling those who follow Jesus into his mission and to live that out. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, I received a letter in the mail earlier this week reminding me that it has been 15 years since I graduated from this fine institution. 15 years plus since I sat in those seats in chapel regularly and in those lecture halls on this campus. And if I can tell you one thing that I have learned and experienced in those 15 years, it's this. Whatever you're thinking God's calling you to do, whatever you think you might be able to wrap, or whenever you think you might be able to wrap your mind around that and you've got it figured out, you're wrong. It's bigger than that. Because no matter what you're called to, parish, pastor, diaconal ministry, theological education, intercultural missionary, or whatever vocation God has gifted you with or will gift you with, we're all part of something bigger than that, something bigger that pulls it all together, and that is God's mission. God's mission that all humanity would be reconciled to God in Christ and know peace with God in this life now and for eternity. And that is huge. That's bigger than anything we can wrap our minds around. It's bigger than any plans we have. We can't begin to wrap our minds around the totality of being in God's mission. Back in 1987, the freshman in high school version of myself had one objective in life, and that was to not be poor. My mother was a Lutheran school teacher, and my father drove a forklift in a cardboard box factory. And it probably doesn't surprise you to know that Lutheran school teachers don't make a lot of money, but I'm also here to tell you that guys that drive forklifts in cardboard box factories do not either. And so it was my one objective in life to not be poor. Fast forward to 2000, which was four years after I had graduated with a degree in finance from Eastern Michigan University. At age 27, I had accomplished my career objective of having a good job, making good money, not being poor. And I began to wonder if that's really what I would just keep doing for another 40 years or so, approximately. And I went to a Wednesday night service at my church. And I actually don't remember what our pastor said when he preached, so you can take comfort in that. But I'll never forget this reading from God's Word, because God's Word has this way of being living and active. You may have heard that before. And uh, it was a reading from Isaiah 49.6, which reads in the NIV, because you have to know in 2000 we didn't have the ESV yet. Shocking, I know. But in the NIV it says, uh, He, that is the Lord, says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. It is too small a thing, or in Hebrew, that's too easy. It's too easy. It's too light. 
It's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. It's too small a thing. And again, I don't know what the pastor preached on that text, and I'm not even trying to say this is the point of the text, but I can tell you that in that moment, I felt the weight of a question on my shoulders, which is, are you really going to go and just work and make a bunch of money for the rest of your life? Isn't that too small a thing? And a couple days later, very nervously, I decided to talk to my wife about this and tell her that maybe the Lord was going to be calling us to do something different, using our gifts and passions in a different way, and maybe even in ministry. And to my surprise, she said, oh, good, I was wondering when you were going to say something about that because I've been thinking the same thing, and I've even talked to the ladies in my Bible study about that for a long time, and in fact, they're all praying about it. So uh, I said, okay. <laughs> so I was pretty convinced that, that the extent of this thing was that, you know, I would go and be a pastor in a nice little country church. I came here in 2001 and started uh, seminary classes. And, but I'd go somewhere, a nice country church parsonage, a white picket fence would be nice. But my wife challenged me. She said I, she, said I, she, said she uh, kept seeing a map of Africa. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that's not right. And long story short, the Lord works through means. And one of those means was my wife going behind my back and making an appointment with the Lutheran Bible Translators recruiter who was on campus at that point. And after a wonderful season of pastoring a church in Dayton, Ohio, after I graduated from here, my family and I were at the ends of the earth working in Bible translation. And even that was too small a thing because every time I thought, okay, I could see myself doing this for the rest of my life, then something changed. And uh, then I got called back home five years later to run the whole international operation of the organization I was working for. Then not only the international operations, but basically all the operations. And I don't mean to make this about me, okay? It's about God in his mission, God being, in essence, the sent God who sends his people, who invites us to participate in his mission, and he takes us places we never thought we'd go and has us doing things we never thought we would do. And the thing is, is that this isn't new. This isn't new. This is how God has operated from the beginning. Well before he had Isaiah writing him saying that it was too easy for his servant to rescue only Israel, he called a man named Abram. He issued him a missionary call, actually, is the reading from Genesis 12. And I'd like to read that again, those first three verses. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. And the Lord said to Abram, go from your land and go from your relatives, and go from the house of your father, go is the command, from all these places, to a land which I will show you. Which isn't a lot of information, by the way. I don't know if any of you have experienced something like that before. I like to know a little bit more. I don't know how Abram reacted to that. Verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And then the reading here in English translations have trouble with this. It says that you will be a blessing so that you will be a blessing. This is the second command, though, in, in the Hebrew text. It just says be a blessing. And there's lots of folks who try to figure out the grammar and sort out, like, what's the connection with everything? Because it seems clumsy. And to be honest with you, I think that's partially an English problem. We're trying to figure that out using our own mindset that way. But somehow it's, it's go... Here's some information about what's going to happen when you go and be a blessing. Those are the two things that you're going to do. Go and be a blessing. I will bless the ones who bless you, those who minimize you, make light of you, curse you. I will curse 
and in you all the nations of the earth, all the clans of the earth of the world are going to be blessed. And a couple observations on the scope of what God wants to do. It's one thing for him to say, look, you're here in this place, I want to move you to another place. But that's too small a thing. God is calling Abram not just to leave the people he knows, it's on a whole different level to tell him to go and bless other people and that through what you're going to do, other people are going to be blessed because at that time, much less now, but let's say at that time in history, nations and clans don't bless other nations. That's not what you do. Nations and clans are organized solely to either protect and defend yourself or to organize for aggression and to look out for number one because might makes right. That is the purpose in this time in history of nations and clans and people. Nobody is thinking about blessing other people except God. Also, like you, and like me, there was nothing special about Abram when he was called. In fact, Joshua, writing a few hundred years later in Joshua 24, verse 2, writes this, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. So is there anybody in the world at this time who even knows the Lord? They served other gods. Verse 3, Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and the rest is history. Abram was like everyone else on earth, yet God chose him. And if you read through the accounts of Abram's life in Genesis, you'll see that things didn't go his way all the time. He made bad choices. He essentially gave his wife out. You could say he prostituted his wife out to save his own skin, and not once but twice, which means he has a very patient wife, I guess. He tried to accelerate God's plan to give him a son by bringing in a third party if you will, okay? So if you think the Bible's boring, you're wrong. So Abram does all these things, but look at the promises God made and God kept because God is faithful. I will make you a great nation. Check. In fact, several of them, actually. I will bless you. You can see from the accounts of Abraham in, in, uh, in Genesis that he had material resources and influence at a significantly high level for his time in history. I will make your name great. We're here talking about him right now, several thousand years later, not to mention that over half the world's population claims Abraham in some way as their spiritual father. Check. In you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That has come true in Christ and the subsequent spread of the gospel over the face of the earth to the extent that people have peace with God and call on the name of the Lord in literally thousands of languages on every continent, in every time zone, publicly or in hiding, every single day. Check. And God continues to be in mission. He continues to invite us to participate in mission, to go where he's leading, even if we don't know where that is, but we do know who we're following. The former district president in Ohio, where I served as pastor, was known for saying, God is still at work in the world. We have to decide if we're going to join him where he's working. God's mission calls us constantly to avoid, to eschew parochialism, and to constantly look outside of ourselves to resist the impulse to look within, which is the result of the original sin, and to look out. 
whether that's just me as an individual caring for my neighbor, or as a congregation or a denomination looking outside our comfort zone, looking outside our parochialism, looking past what's familiar, looking what's worked in the past to discern where God is at work, how we can join him in doing that. And since we see that he kept his promises to Abram, we can be confident that wherever he leads and wherever we go, he will keep his promise to us, I am with you always to the end of the age. My prayer is that each and every one of us, that God would reveal to us where our approach, where what we're thinking, what we think we've got nailed down is just too small a thing. He would open our eyes to the bigger vision to which he calls us. May he give us wisdom to see it and courage to pursue it, that he may be glorified in all the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. A lot has changed, and yet all remains the same. Perspective. Hmm. So you were saying it had been 15 years since you had received that call to your first parish, and that wrestling with that question even before you went to seminary of what is God's mission and where is he calling you to serve and it changed a lot over the years and thinking about these seminary students and you delivering this message I don't think anyone sitting in those pews (laughs) imagined that it would be going virtual and that they everything would be shut down yeah. and that call day <laughs> was not going to be like your call day was. Right, yeah. But that idea, I, I love, you know, if you think that the Bible's boring, you're wrong. <laughs> um, but how many of the forefathers and mothers of the faith thought that they had their minds wrapped around what God had planned? Or, oh, surely this is what he wants us to do and making a way and God redirecting and saying, no, my plans are higher. They are better. They are beyond your imagination and trusting. Yeah, and that's what you're thinking is too small. Like that's nowhere near what it could be. That's what God's always, I think, in his mission saying there's something bigger out there and and I I can remember so of course that that evening uh, the same day this was delivered then we had an event uh, off campus at a pizza place (laughs) where we reserved some space and then people just kept coming and I I don't know what you call what we did but it was the opposite of social distancing we had so many people crammed we didn't get sick by around the table yeah so we were (laughs) we didn't know any better at that time but anyways we did not get sick but yeah and and the world just changed. I can, while we were listening to the sermon, pulling up my Twitter, like three weeks after the sermon I tweeted out, three weeks ago, I stood in the pulpit at Concordia Seminary and said, whatever you're thinking God's calling you to do, whenever you think you might be able to wrap your mind around that, you've got it figured out, you're wrong. <laughs> it's bigger than that. And that was two weeks into lockdowns and what I wrote in the rest of this week is, I could not have imagined the intervening weeks would be like this, but God could, and he is still leading and guiding, and that gives me peace. Mm-hmm. And 
there's just much more on our our minds and our approach to to life last year because uh, it became evident that so many things were out of our control. I think back to that initial time and and things like the store is out of uh, several things I need. Uh, it seems like all these systems that we just assume are going to work to deliver uh, products and goods and services are no longer working. And uh, how long is it going to be like this? Right. And when this illness arrives, I mean, I had pastor friends who were, again, you know, we don't know, or at that point, we didn't know the severity of COVID. And so they were thinking, you know, they might have to set up uh, and live out of their church offices because, and you know, they might be conducting a lot of funerals and mm. stuff. And so, yeah, just a lot up in the air. This is one of those times, just thinking back on the vulnerability that so many of us were experiencing of like, okay, God, I thought that I was following your plan. Um, So my role at the time as mission mobilization coordinator, I had plans to visit couple of other universities, different campuses, and I was like, okay, you know, trying to scope out for my fall semester and just kind of experiencing these roadblocks. And it's like, yep. God, what, what's happening here? And how he worked in and through that situation for us to pivot. It's too small a thing. I had originally planned for 10 mission explorers to come to our annual missions event in Concordia, Missouri, and okay, you know, 10 people. And I had over 20 some sign up for the virtual event. My reach was so much greater, not my reach, but rather God reaching and using this platform. And I wasn't able to travel, but yet, you know, we were provided with an opportunity to meet with people through that online (laughs) platform and being able to share in presentations and one-on-one meetings and that, yes, there's been a lot that has had to shift, um, but that God is like, you know, (laughs) don't think so small, Emily, (laughs) you know, that I have something even in the midst of when you feel like things have been taken away from you, that I am still here, I am still providing, and it's my mission, it's not Emily's mission, and I think that that was a um, a wake-up call. It's something that I think that I daily wrestle with, I think yeah. a lot of us do, but that his mission is so much bigger than even like how you were saying, like, okay, those of you going into parish ministry or international ministry, it's bigger than that. It's God's mission, not just Joe Smith's mission. Yeah. And God takes us where we never thought we would go doing things we never thought we would do. And yeah, in the sermon, I talked about how God's mission calls us to, it's an eschew parochialism. So remember, I was talking to seminary students, but, you know, to, parochialism is the inside language stuff or the stuff that we're all comfortable with. And we all say, yeah, we all know this, right? Mm. And to God's mission is constantly calling us to look past that mm. and um, where we have become comfortable mm. or complacent, even if we feel like we're striving and really making something big happen uh, in the bigger picture of God's mission, it's often too small a thing. And mm. we still find ourselves with blinders to where we're just comfortable. And it really just makes me think about 
you know how when God comes and talks to people in the Bible, the the messenger always says, "Don't be afraid." Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been laughing a little bit around here lately. <laughs> There's these memes going around with pictures of angels that are more like the you know the Ezekiel or Daniel angels in the Bible of Revelation with all these eyes and horns and stuff like that. And well, of course, no wonder they said, "Don't be afraid." But <laughs> right. the the reality is that there's two things always in tension. And as we look into a new year, it's good to sort of remind ourselves as followers of God that, that one, we are in God's hands, and that gives us a sense of peace. And two, uh, when we say, Lord, lead, I will follow, Mm. we're going to go some places that we didn't plan on going and um, that will be stretched to uh, beyond our comfort and find that only in our reliance and on God mm-hmm. can we have peace because it certainly won't be by uh, our own reason or what we can figure out or manage or execute in our own strength. And so God calls us to to plan and to put forth our best efforts, but as we've learned in the last year, to hold those loosely and be ready to look for where he's leading. And as I said in the sermon, my old district president uh, would say, um, decide if we're going to join him where he's right. working. Right. Yeah. That being a light for the Gentiles, I think about that. And, yeah. you know, to move beyond parochialism and thinking about, well, all the opportunities that we've had yeah. in this past year to reach out to people who may have otherwise been hopeless and um, maybe a little... Uh, put off by the church in the past, and that this was an awesome opportunity to to reach out and to show the love of Christ and being a good neighbor, and to invite people. (laughs) What an awesome opportunity from the comfort of their home. If they're new, they have lots of questions that they can enter into a virtual church service, and what kinds of opportunities exist there for just being able to encounter worship without the the fear of oh no like yeah. what's what's next but sure. thinking about well how is it that god is calling us into his mission right where you know we are working where we are doing life which has looked different in the pandemic for sure yeah. but being able to see that that there are so many people who felt hopeless and felt like there was nowhere to turn, that all, all of their plans just shattered. And it's right to grieve those things, but also being able to share that love and light to all of the world, to all nations um, in this virtual sort of platform. How can we do that? And just really encouraged of my small box (laughs) that I had been living in um, and the things that I had been holding on so tightly throughout 2020 when people would ask uh, how am I doing or what plans do I have you know I would show them my open palm and thinking about it of like this is how I live my life right now is you know God has a plan and I know that the the tighter I grip on to the things that I want (laughs) that I think are supposed to uh, make do like uh, sand being gripped you know you're you're losing more (laughs) when you try to hold it tight than if you just cup your hand and say when you know it's taken away it's taken away and what's given to me I'm going to receive in Thanksgiving and see it as a blessing yeah yeah, I think we might lose uh, subscribers if I say this, but on the one hand, um, we're going into 2021, and I would say uh, there are not a lot of people who would say, 
let's do something just like 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we're hoping for some level of relief or normalcy or stability. And on the other hand, when I think about where things changed in my life and for our organization mm-hmm. and how we pivoted in different ministry opportunities and new innovation, I also think that was awesome. Right. And so then do I want to say, well, Lord, do that again? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh. I think that's part of the tension of walking right. together and, and right. the Christian walk and and the faith. And and this passage, Isaiah 49, 6, is too small a thing that you would mm-hmm. only go to the people of Israel. I will make you a light unto the nations. has become a special verse around here mm-hmm. as well. And there was uh, an event in late 2019 where I kind of at the last minute changed what I was going to talk about to tell that same story that you heard in the sermon about how that passage spoke to me and, and what that ended up meaning. And then after that, we played a video that had been prepared, and I had never noticed, but at the end of the video, that was the passage that comes up. The video has no words or anything. It just shows images of people receiving the scripture for the first time. And then it has a graphic that says, uh, this was the first one in this country, and there are many more folks waiting. And then it brings that passage mm-hmm. up, and it was just mm-hmm. like, wow. And then you know, separate from all that, Ishni Veit, who has been on the podcast before, she was also studying, and she came across that passage and it inspired her to write a scripture song, mm-hmm. which we'll end with here. And uh, if you want to see more about uh, or hear more about scripture songs, they had an episode here on the podcast that was on June 26th with her husband Rob composing scripture songs. I recommend it was one of our best and most uh, listened to episodes. And so she recorded Isaiah 49, 6. And I think in hindsight now, when I think about what that verse says and also how it sort of like the way 2020 played out, there's a certain rawness to the the song, the way that the tune of the instrument and the vocals and everything that just make it like we acknowledge that God is calling us to this, yet it is not without some struggle and pain. And I don't know, just some, that's sort of the feeling I hear reflected in the song. So we're going to invite you to, uh, to end just on a worshipful note with us in this podcast as we play uh, Ishni's rendition of too light a thing, which as you know, in the sermon, that was the, the other English word. I always say too small a thing, too light a thing is another way of saying it. And that's how she, that's the version that she recorded. So yeah, and join us in this uh, worshipful moment. And we wish you God's richest blessings in 2021 as you walk in God's mission and discover in what ways he's saying to you, that's too light a thing.
Thank you for listening to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. Look for past episodes of the podcast at lbt.org slash podcast or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Lutheran Bible Translators' social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or go to lbt.org to find out how you can get involved in the Bible translation movement and put God's Word in their hands. This episode of Essentially Translatable was co-hosted by Emily Wilson. The podcast is edited and produced by Andrew Olson and distributed by Sarah Lyons. Technical support for this episode was provided by Caleb Rodewald. Our executive producer is Amy Gertz. Podcast artwork was designed by Caleb Rodewald. Music written and performed by Rob Vite. I'm Rich Rudowski. So long for now.